Hey everyone, welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less or something in that arena. This is the voice of Misty Stinnett. Those are the silent giggles of Lisa Linky. Okay. And this is the podcast where we obviously come in hot and we read and review a popular self-help book each week and we share with you a critical summary, some of the main points so that you'll know in about an hour, maybe less, if the book is worth your time, money, and effort, or if you should avoid it at all costs. But that is not this episode, everyone. No. No. This is the Tuesday episode that we lovingly call the Weekly Beef, and it is our time to explore all of the self-help world that is not a book, because there's a lot There are articles, there are thought-provoking questions, there are special guests, there are new perspective shifts to be had are lurking around every corner just waiting to grab you by the brain. So with that being said, we're timestamping the episodes. It is Saturday, September 12th. Thank you so much. I do not know what is going to come out of my mouth until it is coming out of my (laughs) mouth. Trying to live in the moment, people. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, it You're is nailing it. It is September 12th. We are timestamping the episodes in case the world looks very, very different. And we're sure a lot will have happened between when we recorded this episode and when this episode airs. So we hope everyone's doing okay out there. We hope the fires in Los Angeles are done. We hope the world is somehow holding itself together. And that's that. We also uh, cuss. Because that's how we talk. That's how we speak. We are, we are refined fucking ladies and it's an explicit (laughs) podcast. It's not for shock value. It's just how we speak. So thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for getting it. You guys are fucking awesome. And by guys, (laughs) Um, we mean ladies, gentlemen, non-gender binary or gender fluid. Welcome. You're all welcome here, Lisa. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Also, if you hear some snorting, my landlord is really having the time of her life on her dog bed over there, <laughs> which, which was featured in yesterday's post. Yesterday was September 11, mm. and we ended up releasing the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, which was like the tender moment of humanity that I needed. Yeah. And people really resonated with it. And some, some listeners were like, I thought Zoe was this tiny dog. And I was like, who thinks I would own a tiny dog? That's so funny. I guess we haven't really featured Zoe on the Instagram account too much. We should. I think we all need more dogs in our lives, which. Yeah. You may hear about on an upcoming mini sode. Oh, teaser. And I also want to say that Lisa has such a beautiful display of emotion in the episode, The Boy, the Mo- the, the Boy that Mocks the Foal and the Horse. You're welcome. We'll mm-hmm. link to it in mm-hmm. show notes if you want to hear Lisa cry. It's fucking great. And <laughs> thank you. And I, I also want to thank you, Lisa, for not assigning me homework from Notoriously Dapper because yes. I'm... I don't think I'll ever be Dapper, but that was a wonderful book um, for men and for yeah. any people who identify as men uh, to really show up in this beautiful way in the world. And I loved that. So no homework, baby. 
Baby. Um, also, I feel like we're doing each other a really lovely uh, service by not assigning a lot of homework during the time of Corona when our brains are just kind of melting. Like, why would I do that to you? I love you. That reminds me of the Maggie. Uh, I think it was called Away We Go starring Maya Rudolph and Maggie. It's a movie. Yes. And Maggie Gyllenhaal plays this like very hippy dippy mother. And um, she's an attachment parent. So she's always got her baby like attached to her body and like a sling or a wrap. And Maya's just sort of like, Oh, like I got you this stroller. I thought maybe that would be helpful. And she goes, I love my baby. Why would I want to push her away from me? <laughs> so good. Okay. That movie is really good. Great. Maybe I'll watch that today. Yeah, baby. Okay. So Misty for today's quickly weave. I um, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, speaking of, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> uh, I am bringing us a post from Instagram that I found. Um, it was posted last year, about a year ago, in August 17. It's from the Feminist Collective. I'll link to this post in show notes, but it's called a Feminist Glossary, Terms and Concepts Every Feminist Should Know. And the description says, here's a non-comprehensive list of terms that everyone should be aware of. And as feminists, we must factor into our praxis. And before you ask, praxis. Thank you. I was about to ask. from ancient Greek is the process by which a theory, lesson, or skill is enacted, embodied, or realized. Praxis may also refer to the act of engaging, applying, exercising, realizing, or practicing ideas. And a feminist praxis is a theory and praxis is its recognition that a new feminist movement, a third wave of activism in the United States and elsewhere must include the insights, participation, and leadership of minority and third world women. Mm. Multicultural feminism emphasizes the importance of difference. So this post I loved. I'm going to start casually dropping praxis and see who pretends to know what I'm talking about. That's going to, I'm going to fold that into my praxis. Okay. So there's five terms that we're going to talk about. The first one is intersectionality. Mm. It's a noun. Intersectionality is the concept that lays down a framework of the interconnected network of social categories like class, caste, religion, thus creating an overlapping system of identities, disadvantages, and discrimination. The terms, quote, white feminism and, quote, Savarna feminism branch out from this concept as they stand for women's rights, but disregard the problems associated with color, caste, and sexuality just because they themselves don't have to face them. I like to think of this uh, of intersectionality in case anyone out there is also a visual learner. I like to think of it sort of as a Venn diagram, right? So you've got one category, which might be, I am a woman of color and you've got a lot of specific struggles and things happening in your life because of that. And then another category might be, okay, I am poor. And that's a totally different category. It's a class, right? So when the Venn diagram comes together and they overlap, it's the intersection of both of those two different classifications and experiences. That always helps me think about it that way. I love that. The second term is gaslight. 
It's a verb. Oh, thank you. (laughs) One of the most popular words of 2018, as stated by the Oxford Dictionary, gaslighting roughly refers to psychologically manipulating, abusing, and playing with a victim's memory and often their sanity. The abuser attempts to invalidate the victim's reality, feelings, and even facts. It is a systemic pattern of withholding information and falsifying it by painting a picture of the victim as, quote, crazy, to a point where the victim does not trust themselves anymore. The most common phrases used by gaslighters, you are so sensitive slash paranoid slash crazy. It was just a joke. Stop overreacting. Thank you. In particular, this year, I have off uh, this entire administration, I have felt gaslit, but the, in particular this year with the administration's reaction initially to Corona. And this term comes from a movie where a woman is driven crazy because the, her husband, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, or someone, a man keeps telling her that the lamp, the gas lamps outside are not lit when they are. It's funny. I just was reading up on this last week. It was a play in 1938. And then a movie came, I think five or six years later in the forties. And the term specifically comes from a scene where he is upstairs in another apartment unit, fucking with the gas to make the lamps go like on and off. And she just goes absolutely nuts. I actually haven't seen the movie yet. And I really want to. You can see it on YouTube in three parts. I've watched it. Oh, brilliant. And I I also want to say, if this is still sounding a little bit nebulous to anyone out there, because it was for me a little bit, think of any time that you've experienced or seen on TV, someone cheating. So you say... I found some text messages that make me uncomfortable or I saw some behavior or some emails and that makes me suspect that you might be cheating and they go, you're insane. Why would I ever cheat on you? Why would you think I'm such a bad person? Blah, blah, blah. And then later on, you find out you were right the whole time. That was, Mm -hmm. you were being gaslit. They're making you doubt what you know to be true. Exactly. Or just like when uh, the attorney general of a country goes on Wolf Blitzer and when they're asked, do you think there's systemic racism in policing? They say no. Okay. (laughs) The third term is derail. It's a verb. Derailing is the act of saying things that divert the conversation from the original claim in an attempt to take away the spotlight from the point in discussion and redirect the conversation to a different issue that is for a different place and a different time. It usually requires the emotional distance of a privileged person to be able to jump from conversation to conversation and talk about hypothetical situations and thus belittling the experience of the person that brings up the issue. Mm -hmm. Hashtags like, all lives matter and not all men talking about quote, worse situations, tone policing where arguments are dismissed by critiquing the emotionality rather than the argument itself, asking people to calm down when they're trying to be heard are all examples of derailing. Lisa, try to bring up a topic with me and I'll derail it. Um, Misty, I really didn't appreciate how you were five minutes late to this recording session. I do not like the tone you were using right now. You should not be so mean to me. Oh, Well, I felt like I was actually pretty... I'm telling you, if you don't stop yelling, I'm going to end this Zoom recording. You think you have it bad? There are people in China right now who literally don't have internet access. So you should be grateful for what you have. Lisa, I'm talking about our interaction right now. (laughs) Like, do you see how Lisa tried to bring up one point and I completely derailed it? to be about something. I derailed your point by putting up a work. We were derailing. My God. It's also, by the way, that also can be known as track switching. Mm -hmm. 
The term for is cultural appropriation. It's a noun. Cultural appropriation is the adoption of certain elements of a disadvantaged culture by members of privileged and dominant cultures. Mainstreaming these aspects for the enjoyment of the dominant group is ignorant and enforces stereotypes. Cultural appropriation is often misunderstood as, quote, cultural exchange. They're using culture and cultural in here, and boy, is it tongue twisty. <laughs> so cultural appropriation is often misunderstood as cultural exchange. The two are different since cultural appropriation enforces systematic oppression and its dynamics, while cultural exchange does not. Cultural appropriation is wrong and racist and or casteist. Wearing dreadlocks, Lady Gaga sexualizing burqa in her music, Warley art being used on fashion accessories, footwear, etc., without giving them due credits and only for monetary gain, are some of the endless examples of cultural appropriation. Doing so is irresponsible and humiliating, as the oppressor continues to reap monetary benefits while the oppressed continues to get exploited and be discriminated against. Yeah, and this is... This is a term and a concept that I find the most tricky and I'm still trying to wade my way through um, an ever unique instance. So, for example, Carolina Herrera recently released a collection of vacation dresses and these this resort wear features well-documented ancient patterns of Mexico. And I don't know specifically which which cultures within Mexico. I think it was an indigenous group. And so, for example, she's taking those patterns that are well-documented. She's making a ton of money off of them as a white designer. And she's not crediting the groups that they came from, and they are not monetarily benefiting from the sale of her dresses. So that's cultural appropriation. However, if she had said, this is a celebration of this group of people, 50% of the proceeds are going back into that community. I have asked for permission. Yes. And here are the designers that I paid a great fee to consult on this, then it's not cultural appropriation. So if you are ever going, is it okay for me to wear this African mud cloth slip dress at the pool? Google it. Just keep Googling. Mm -hmm. The last term, androcentrism. I've never heard of this one. Uh -uh. I love it. It's a noun. Androcentrism is privileging the male associated traits over others. The male gaze being default in all media we consume is the most popular embodiment of this. Mm. Such a culture enforces patriarchy and treats the male gender as the default for everything. One of the most common adoptions is the automatic usage of he slash him when talking in abstract terms and thus marginalizing and disregarding the other genders. The male point of view is considered to be central and anything that does not confine to those standards is thought as of, quote, unrelatable and meant for specific groups only. This is the reason why women-centric entertainment and sports often have a gendered prefix to them, like chick flick, chick lit, and women's football. Wow. This might give an idea of them being meant for women and are not universal. These categories are also considered insignificant and unimportant for the same reasons. Isn't that so interesting? I said it a few times on the podcast before, but the first time I ever encountered a textbook that incorporated the pronouns Mm -hmm. she and her. And not for a boat. Or a country. <laughs> Thank Yep. Was in college. It took till I was almost 20 years old. And that book toggled back of back and forth between he and him and she and her. But it, it stood out to me. It's burned in my memory forever because I'd never seen that before. 
And we also are hoping to move toward a non-binary pronoun approach to books as well. So they and them, you know, she, uh, any of that. But yeah, we got a long way to go. Well, those are five terms that you either may not have known or have have heard or have used. um, But those are the definitions from the Feminist Collective. And again, the link is in show notes. And um, continue to go about your world, dropping these gems. You can use this throughout your entire praxis. You're welcome. And with that, everybody, may your non-androcentrism be (laughs) abundant. (laughs) Inside baseball, baby. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Saff. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.